1: It's the SNL Hall of Fame podcast with your host, Jamie Dew, Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna, and featuring Matt Ardill. And now, curator of the hall. Jamie,
2: All right. Thank you, Doug DeNance. It is fantastic to be here inside the SNL Hall of Fame. Now, before you come in, please wipe your feet. The SNL Hall of Fame podcast is a weekly affair. Each episode, we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer, and add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once the nominees have been announced, we turn to you, the listener, to vote for the most deserving and help determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity inside the hall. I am excited this week. We are talking uh, about host Buck Henry, and this should be a fantastic episode as Thomas Senna is joined by John Schneider from the SNN. And uh, I think it's going to be a great deal of fun. But before we get into that fun, let's get up to some other fun with our friend Matt Ardell. How's it going, Matt?
3: Hey, Jimmy. Great, great. I'm looking forward to speaking about the ever-present Buck Henry. Oh, yes. Uh, He is an amazing talent. A lot of people don't realize how influential he was on early uh, comedy and film. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, we know he hosted a bunch at the start but he actually really began his career um working with Steve Allen on the new Steve Allen show. Uh he he has two producer credits, 30 writer credits and 62 acting credits with a new film coming out in 2023. Um what? now he yeah, he's still going. He's still going. Hasn't he passed? Uh, well, I guess it's a posthumous yeah. <laughs> thing. But uh yeah, it's uh his latest <laughs> credit is still coming out. But wow, uh, this guy works. Yeah, he works from beyond. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, t- to name a few of his uh films he's uh worked on Catch 22, The Owl and the Pussycat defending your life, uh The Player, Shortcuts, What's Up Doc. Uh he also uh worked on Heaven Can Wait, uh which he co-directed and received an Oscar nomination for. He's one of three people uh, along with or three sets of directors, along with the Cohen brothers uh, for *No Country for Old Men* and Robert Weiss and Jerome Robbins for *West Side Story* to receive co-directing nominations, so they generally try to avoid that with the Oscars. Um, now, his work in *Catch-22* was heavily inspired by his father, who was a brigadier general in the Air Force, uh, which. Kind of explains how he and Mel Brooks, uh, sort of co-created Get Smart. You don't grow up around that kind of military silliness, um, without, uh, without some of it rubbing off. Um, and he he received an Emmy nomination for his writing, uh, in a comedy series for for that along. Forget with Smart Mel Brooks, yeah. Forget Smart, oh, cool. Uh, he also co-wrote The Graduate. With Mike Nichols, who is improv royalty, he and Elaine May are two of the pioneers of modern improv, uh, very fundamental in the creation of Second City. Um, So he's got connections to SNL in sort of weird tangential ways that aren't immediately obvious, but it kind of explains how you really got it, because I doubt you could work with Mike Nichols without getting improv. and uh, he is famously quoted about George W. Bush as saying, "We need a president who's fluent in at least one language." <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, he is a smart aleck and super smart and incredibly funny with some great talent. Uh, great, uh, great
2: credits to his name. That's Buck Henry. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Matt. Let's now kick it downstairs to our friend Thomas Senna, who is in conversation today with SNN's John Schneider to talk about Buck Henry.
4: So I wanted to start off, John, since we are both kind of SNL fans of a similar generation. Neither of us were even alive when Buck Henry hosted the show as many times as he did. So how does an SNL fan like you, who's of this generation, get into Buck Henry to to even begin with?
5: When I rewatched the show, the entire series for the first time... I genuinely had no idea who Buck Henry was and I don't think a lot of people, even like modern younger SNL fans would hear the name Buck Henry and they probably would have no idea who this guy is because I think he's in a way been lost to time. But through my rewatch, I was utterly amazed about how this legendary SNL host, you know, came to be and how big of a name and impact he had on the original cast. It was incredible to get to watch him, and I'm so excited today to get to talk about him.
4: Yeah, so Buck Henry, so his background, you alluded to the fact that maybe even back then he wasn't really well-known. So his background, screenwriter, director, occasional actor. Um, he wrote The Graduate. I think that's probably what he is most known for, especially before like before his first hosting stint. He uh, co-wrote The Graduate. Then he co-wrote like Catch-22, Heaven Can Wait... But it, it's interesting to me that he wasn't real famous even back then. He was just a screenwriter and occasional director and actor. But even back then, Buck Henry wasn't real, real famous. So you know, as as a as a viewer, even now, something like that would that kind of throw you off. Even now, if a uh, say it's just some random kind of screenwriter for a highly acclaimed movie was tabbed to host the show like how would you view view it nowadays if somebody who's who isn't that well known it got tabbed to host the show
5: well first of all i would love it i think that that's -hmm. that's what the fun of it is right snl is you know a star making show i think that can apply both to the cast who would then end up going off and creating these you know major motion pictures or being in these serialized television shows and they get you know huge become huge names but that's for can apply for hosts as well. I think that a lot of people, uh, probably the more casual fans, have no idea of some of the names of the hosts. Like, they'll pop up and they'll say, like, next week. And it is somebody that they've never heard of before. Yeah. And they learn and they get to know them. And the thing about Buck Henry specifically is they got to know him a lot if you were watching in the 70s. I mean, this is a guy who hosted 10 times between 1976 and 1980. And he became such good friends with the original cast that... If you were watching in the '70s, at any point, you had to know who Buck Henry was because to me, he was always the you know like the eighth cast member of the show in a way.
4: He definitely was. I, I always viewed him as even rewatching now as as, as definitely like a, a an honorary cast member and even kind of a honorary producer in a way. Because I, I I don't know about you, but I think sometimes SNL uses uses the term host kind of loosely. Uh, in a lot of ways, the hosts. Tend to just kind of do their monologue, and then it almost seems like they get whisked away by the show. So they're almost so they're almost at the kind of the show's whim. But Buck Henry really seemed like somebody who had control while he was hosting. Definitely, so it was almost like he was a producer. He was almost like a Lorne Lorne's kind of kind of right hand man of Lorne's in a way when he hosted.
5: I think he was like the MC basically like yeah. that's you know he was leading the evening and he was taking you from sketch to sketch and you know throughout some of his episodes you know even just his stage presence from the first time you saw him on the show like it wasn't over the top uh, there's a lot of comparisons that I'm sure we're going to talk about this throughout the show's day between him and Steve Martin in the you know first five years those were like the two main hosts that really made an impact early on but with Steve, he is over the top. And in his jokes, he's eccentric in what he's doing. Buck Henry is a little bit more subtle, but he commands the room in that way. And I think that is a something that is very rare to find in great SNL hosts. Uh, That's why I think he's so unique and so special in terms of what he does
4: yeah, it really seemed like he got the show and he knew how to play a straight man to other people's kind of more wild characters. And that's something, you know, in comedy, that's that's a comedic, in, comedic instinct in and of itself is to know how to play the straight man. A lot of hosts that we see, in my opinion, the show needs to really revolve around them and have their character type be the main focus of the show. But I think you're right, like Buck Henry can lay back and be that foil for for a more dynamic character. And that kind of leads into like his first hosting stint, uh, January 17th, 1976. Right away, we see him with a great monologue. Um, this is gonna be a theme with the monologues, you know. Uh, he acknowledged that he was an unusual choice to host the show, given that maybe nobody knew who he was.
6: Now, you're probably wondering, as I am wondering, why I have been chosen to host tonight's show. After all, it's quite true I'm not a comic. I don't sing, I don't dance. i sure I've acted in a few films, a few television shows, I've written a few. But those aren't ordinarily the prerequisites to fronting a big show like this one.
4: Viewers now might watch older shows that Buck Henry hosted and say, who, who the hell is that? But he acknowledged that viewers then watched him hosting and and thought it was an unusual choice. So I think that was you know him addressing almost the elephant in the room and kind of poking fun at himself. And I think he he set the table really well with that monologue.
5: And this spoke to me. This is something that if you have ever heard me talk about Saturday Night Live, I always say. I love it when SNL goes meta and Buck episodes were meta because he was there and then you got to see, it was all a big joke, but you got to see the perspective of the producers saying, uh, we'd never really wanted Buck Henry to host to begin with, but now that he's here and anytime he would say something, this other subtitle would pop up on screen throughout the monologue. And I, I loved every minute of it. I, I genuinely, um, you know, when I, like I said, when I was doing my rewatch, I tried not to spoil myself on anything. You know, this was year, years and years ago, but I, I was, you know, going through it and I I didn't want to know anything so for me like Buck Henry pops up the first time and I was like oh that was really great like he's awesome like I didn't know that he was going to keep coming back and hosting but every single time I saw that he was you know at the end of the episode at the time Don Pardo would announce at the end of the episode who was going to be hosting the next week or sometimes even they would have the host for the next week pop up between sketches and say hey I'm Buck Henry and I'm going to be hosting SNL next week and when that would happen I would be so pumped up I would be like yes I cannot wait to see Buck Henry back on show
4: yeah and you could tell i think with a host's first gig if they're i guess if they're willing to play if they're willing to play with the cast and kind of make poke fun at themselves in a way and if they if they get the show and that that seems evident i think in a host kind of first hosting gig gig to uh, to me which it did with buck henry um i had been i talked about that He seemed like a host who was a good straight man, who was a good maybe foil for some of the outlandish characters. We saw that in the first episode with the Samurai, which is a very popular John Belushi character. Everybody knows the Samurai, but what a lot of people may not realize is that most of the Samurai's uh, appearances were with Buck Henry and so what yeah. do you you know looking back when you I uh, when you first saw the Samurai and, and especially his interplay with Buck Henry like what did you think of uh, of those Samurai sketches
5: Well I I always enjoyed them I always felt like the Samurai sketches worked best with Buck because it was almost like Buck was the secondary character that really understood the samurai. And I guess you can see that with some of the other hosts, but like, it really felt like Buck Henry understood what John Belushi was saying as the samurai in a way that nobody else could.
6: Frankly, as Dean of Monroe College, I cannot in good conscience permit
5: you to receive a degree from our school. Oh, yeah.
6: Absolutely
3: not.
6: <laughs> I've heard the explanations. I've heard the excuses. <laughs> I know you had mono. That's no excuse. <laughs> Listen, I've dealt with your kind for quite a long time. You're all fun and games. That's all you seem to care about. Oh, <laughs> wow. All right, you're still not convinced? Let's look at the record. As good old Calvin Coolidge said. <laughs> oh, you're right. It was Al Smith that said that. <laughs>
5: And that's what was fun about it was this like interplay back and forth between John Belushi, who is literally as crazy as you can get among all the cast members ever. I mean, he is just like a ball of energy on stage. And that's why some people love Belushi. But uh, Buck plays it so straight that it's so fun to see the contrast of John Belushi yelling as the samurai and then Buck being like, I understand what you're saying. And then keeping the conversation going. And of course, I'm sure we're going to get to, there's this really famous moment between the samurai yep. uh, stockbroker and yes. uh, Buck Henry.
4: And it's pretty interesting that you the, that you say that Buck Henry understood what the samurai was saying, which is true, but we say saying in quotes because the samurai never really formed words or sentences or anything, but Belushi... Did a great I think, job, uh, Thomas.
5: I just think you didn't understand what he was saying. That's all it was.
4: I just, I just didn't speak samurai. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think you're right. Belushi was an amazing, like, uh, almost like a Charlie Chaplin esque kind of kind of figure in those sketches. He did so much physical acting and with facial expressions. It reminded me a lot of of Chaplin when when Belushi would do those samurai sketches. And Buck Henry was the perfect person to play with, with with that Samurai character. He was a great foil for the Samurai character. Of course, Samurai, part of the thing is he had different jobs and things like that. And so, Buck Henry was always really good about being like the, the straight man foil to whatever job or whatever thing that the Samurai uh, was doing. So, I, I think you make solid points, uh, definitely. So, that was a great, great debut. Buck Henry established himself as somebody that the show could trust. He came back that same season, and this is obviously going to be a theme. He came back that same season toward the end of the year, and there was another monologue. It was May twenty second, nineteen seventy six, and he did another pretty elaborate monologue. Actually, uh, uh, this time getting Lauren Michaels involved, uh, uh, where he and Lauren were arguing with NBC security, so they real uh, about letting Buck Henry up to the show. So they really definitely played up that that who the hell is Buck Henry? You're not a famous person uh, kind of thing. Do you have any memories of, uh, of that?
5: well I just think that you know having somebody come to you know the end of the season you know it wasn't really the finale of the show it was like the the finale of season one it was like the pseudo season one finale because they had those like two summer shows that I don't know at the time if they knew were going to be happening but just having him there I remember being like okay it's a really big deal to host a season finale Um, I always say they the biggest eyeballs are on the show on the premieres the Christmas show and the finales those are like the, the main shows that you know people beyond just the regulars who watch every week they'll watch those particular shows and at the time obviously in the first season you're establishing yourself with buck henry i think it was just a really big episode for him and i could just see you know he was just so comfortable there uh to be there you know throughout that episode i was really impressed you know we started to see th- some of that backstage stuff that you refer to in the monologue where you saw most of the cast members in that um, we obviously had him with the samurai as well yeah so this was this is a really good episode i'm just looking through the sketches from it um, oh yeah and he also did another film with gary weiss which is another aspect of of buck henry that i think gets not talked about very often but um this was a guy who was in everything um you want to hear something funny that I, I another thing thomas that we didn't even bring up but from the first episode earlier on uh, you know the first time you hosted uh you know that uh, i think it was season one episode 10 buck henry's the first ever host of snl to appear on weekend update oh really so yeah i didn't
4: yeah, it yeah it i never happened i did realize weekend. that yeah now that you say what, uh, what what was refresh my memory what what did he do on weekend update
5: I think he did something with Jane. Um, I don't remember exactly what the uh, sorry listeners who are yelling at us, but basically (laughs) I don't remember exactly what it was, but I do know that he was on Weekend Update that that day. And I remember just like being so impressed that he was doing all these different aspects of the show. And then you see it when he's in his Gary Weiss films and and all this stuff. So I guess my point is, is that like, you know, we we are here to make a case for the Hall of Fame as we go through these things. And like you starting to see even through the first two times that he's hosting, uh, he's a Swiss army knife. He can do basically anything. Exactly, and that and that tells me
4: that he right away he understood the show, he he knew he, he knew that it was just more than the sketches that were tailored around him, like maybe some other host. He knew that he could have an impact. in what were the original pre tapes? I think in Weekend Update he actually did some sort of commentary. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, maybe he was kind of flirting with Jane a little bit right. on Weekend yeah. Update. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's just that's part of him. Uh, what we were talking about of him just kind of getting the show. And you're right, making the this is totally makes the Hall of Fame case uh, for Buck right away. And we don't see that he's about, I don't know, two tenths of 20% into his, his hosting career. And he's already kind of, in I guess, in sports terms, putting up Hall of Fame numbers uh, right away. So related to this uh, second episode that he hosted, I actually wanted to, to play a little game with you. It's a game okay. that's sweeping the nation. Three truths and a lie. I'm sure you understand the format. I don't know if it's you, people usually play two truths and a lie, but we're using three truths and a lie. Because Our game's three, better. Three is one more. It's one more than two. So, so he had a sketch in uh, his second hosting stint called Talkback, where yeah. he, played, he played a uh, television talk show host who was trying to compel people to call in so he would throw out topics.
6: Good evening, I'm Frank Noland, and this is Talk Back.
1: Talk Back. Frank Noland talks to you, the public. You, the public, talk to Frank Noland. He listens. Talk Back to Frank Noland, and he'll talk back to you.
4: So this topic's kind of started getting crazier and crazier. So I'm going to list four topics that Buck Henry, as Frank Noland in that sketch threw out, Three of them are real topics that he proposed and one of them isn't. So, you have to tell me which one was not a topic that he threw out. Okay. Got it. So, first one. Federally supported municipal bonds. Yes or no. Soviet communism. Let's give it a chance. The Beatles, terrible musicians. Or the ozone layer. Let's get rid of it.
5: Interesting. Okay.
4: Give me them one more time. Okay. So... The topics that Frank Noland, Buck Henry as Frank Noland, uh, threw out in the talkback sketch. So, uh, federally supported municipal bonds, yes or no. Soviet communism, let's give it a chance. The Beatles, terrible musicians. Or the ozone layer, let's get rid of it.
5: I'm going to say that the lie is the Beatles... Because there is a lot of history with SNL and the Beatles. I know that a lot of them grew up and loved it. There was also the invitation for the Beatles to come onto the show in 1976, uh, you know, prior to this episode. I doubt that there would be any sketch that would say Beatles, terrible music. So that would be the lie.
4: Yes, that is the lie. You're right. And that's a very astute SNL nerd Kind of answer to it <laughs> to attach it to to what was going on in the show at the time, but you're absolutely right uh Frank Noland. Uh, did not throw out the topic, the Beatles, uh, terrible musicians, um, which I, I made that up, but I actually, for the record, think the Beatles were great musicians. So let's just not put my music uh, fandom into question. I think the Beatles were great musicians. Yeah.
5: And, and the Beatles song was Get Back, Not Talk Back.
4: Though. Exactly. <laughs> and I bring that sketch up, actually. I want, um, I think that's an example of Buck being able to carry a sketch by himself. Because I think, I think Gilda appeared just at the tail end of that sketch. But it really, it was just Buck sitting there with a bunch of phones laid out in front of him and carrying the entire sketch by himself. So, uh, there was great escalation in that sketch. And we talked about how Buck played well with the cast and let the cast shine. But I think this was an example of his growth in the second episode that we saw where Buck actually carried the sketch.
5: I agree completely. Yeah, I was just every time I saw him, I thought he got better and better. I think he, I think he's one of the ultimate SNL hosts. So for me, it'll be uh, just to watch his progression is very fun.
4: Yeah, he's amazing. So 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 moving on, and there was a very famous incident in his in the third episode that he hosted, and I'll kind of give you the floor to kind of uh, talk about this. It was the samurai stockbroker sketch, and you know just kind of remind all of us kind of what happened uh, there with that sketch.
5: Okay, so this is one of the all-time moments, I think, in the first five years of the show, where we get uh, Buck Henry's character, Mr. Dantley, who is a recurring character in these sketches, goes to see his stockbroker, who is the samurai stockbroker played by John Belushi. And at one point, um, John Belushi is swinging his sword as he's kind of like looking out the window and he swings it back behind his shoulder and cuts buck henry literally not as part of the sketch like literally cuts buck henry's forehead mm. during the sketch and you know you see buck like hold his hand up to his forehead and he's like oh whatever and he is just such a pro he goes through the rest of the sketch but he is bleeding on his forehead and um there's some fun anecdotes in the middle about it and it's really like one of the first instances of like you know, something going really wrong during a Saturday Night Live sketch. But he pulls it off really well. And then throughout the episode, you start to see him wearing bandages in all of the sketches. Because like gigantic easily. bandage too. a 100%. Not,
4: yeah, not just a small bandaid. It was a gigantic bandage
5: yeah and it was so funny to watch because obviously aspect of live television and then you get this great moment in the good nights of that episode where the entire cast comes out with bandages on their heads to show camaraderie with buck henry and to me this is like you know the, really just culminates in a great example of buck and the cast just fitting in so well with each other they all loved buck henry and it was just it was so fun Good
6: evening i'm chevy chase and you're a rod mccune <laughs> Our top story tonight, Buck Henry cuts himself in the forehead in a sketch on the Saturday night show. As a far gone and downed and drugged out John Belushi hits him with a sword.
4: That was just the cast telling Buck that we love you and you're one of us. And who knows if that would have been a different host. Like maybe they would have thought that that, was a, that would have been a weird incident all the same. But maybe we wouldn't have seen that sort of connection, that through line yeah. throughout the rest of the episode.
5: Like if Chevy was hosting and he got cut in the forehead, I bet nobody would be very <laughs> Nobody just. would have <laughs>
4: cared. Bill yeah. Murray would have probably tried to make it worse or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that was a very famous SNL moment. A lot of people probably know about that moment, but don't necessarily, you know attach it to buck henry but it should be attached to buck henry because you're right that was an example of just the cats loving him uh so we move on he uh he hosted the the season finale of of uh season two can i just say
5: before we get there he also did mardi gras during that particular season which is non-canonical But it's still part of Saturday Night Live. It was a big deal where, uh, you know, if you don't know about this, uh, Lauren and NBC took the entire SNL cast down to New Orleans for Mardi Gras. And there was a really crazy episode where Jane Curtin and Buck Henry hosted Weekend Update during that episode. And Jane always tells this story about how the fans were so rabid during that episode that while Buck Henry and Jane Curtain were doing Weekend Update, people were climbing the set to try and jump on to the Weekend Update set during that episode. So, you know, even then, Buck Henry was sort of a pseudo host of that episode as well. And it was just a fun moment during season two.
4: Would you consider that uh, New Orleans show a success or a failure or like, what? how do you what do you make of that New Orleans show?
5: I don't know. That's a, that's a great question. I think uh, if I had to pick one, I'd say probably a failure. Like, I don't, th- I don't think it was a great episode of SNL. I think that they would never do anything like that again for fans. You know, 40 years later, 45 years later, is it fun to look back on? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say more failure than success, but success as a viewer.
4: Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I think they've said as much that they wouldn't they wouldn't never try anything like that again. They like the contained environment that they can control, <laughs> for <sure. laughs> probably for the best. So he did host the season finale of season 2, um did more samurai stuff with uh with John Belushi. Um something that really occurred to me during this stretch of his hosting gig was was a lot of the I guess some of the cringe humor that Buck seem to be okay with or um, uh, kind of started appearing uh, maybe around this time. Do you remember the uh, uh, I Have Stunt Baby?
6: Will oh, you shut up? You little brat. You're driving me nuts. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up.
1: Shut up. Cut! Cats! Cut. Good,
6: good. Okay, bring in the stunt baby, Okay. <laughs>
4: What do you what do you think about uh, the stunt baby? And then, of course, there was the follow up that you might uh, get to as well.
5: Yeah, there was. uh, I do remember the stunt baby. I do remember, um, you know, like a lot of the you know people were surprised about him with the baby and stuff like that, and the baby being thrown around everywhere and all that stuff. And but you know the the answer to this uh, part of our discussion really is that there are some wonderful anecdotes about Buck Henry at this time, which was. They always wanted Buck to host the finales because they would have hosts that would come in during the season who wouldn't want to do certain sketches. And then they would hold them because Buck would do anything. He always said, give me anything when he came in or give me whatever anybody else didn't want to do. And I will do that sketch. And he was so comfortable at the time. That's what it ended up being. And because of that, we got these like sort of, I guess, like, Cr- you know cringy uh esque uh sketches towards the end of the season that had shock value and some of them were like definitely would not play now sure. um but they uh you know it was just fun because buck like i said would do anything and i think that was what was great about it and
4: that was a you said that was a reason one of the reasons why they kind of went to him as the as the the host for season finales Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think it was a coincidence. I noticed a pattern rewatching his episodes, and I don't think it was a coincidence that during Buck Henry episodes, Michael O'Donoghue was allowed to uh, to do his uh, to end the end the episodes with with his bits where he would say, you know, what would it be like if the Mormon Tabernacle, cho- tab- tabernacle Choir had long nails shoved into their eyes. It might go something like this. And then it would just be Michael O'Donoghue screaming and rolling around on the floor. And then Buck Henry would come out and say goodnight. And And looking now that you say that, that, that Buck Henry would do anything. I don't think it's a coincidence that during his, the episodes that Buck Henry hosted that Michael O'Donohue was given that space at the end of the show to do his thing.
5: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, he he created an environment where people can have fun and play on his episodes. He never had to make it all about Buck. But he was just, like we said, the great MC that would guide the evening. And there was a place for O'Donohue definitely, in the Buck Henry episodes.
4: Yeah, definitely. And uh, talking about guiding the evening, uh, there was another somewhat famous episode. Um, it was in Season 3, Episode 6. They did the Anyone Can Host contest. And I think... Well, first of all, you know, looking when you when you first watched these episodes, um, you as a new viewer, like, what did you think about that format and that concept of anyone can host?
5: This was the most exciting thing that I never knew had happened, but when I saw it for the first time, I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. I didn't. I, I couldn't imagine SNL ever allowing somebody just coming off the street, figuratively, to host SNL and. It was so cool. They had done the uh, home movies thing prior where they discovered Walter Williams and Mr. Bill, where people would send in their home movies and stuff and have them a part of the show. But the fact that, like, you know, Thomas, like, you or I could host, like, what? You know, that's that's crazy. And obviously for them, you know, part of the condition or part of the way that this was going to happen was Buck Henry was going to be there as the you know the MC the coordinator to get us through this you know final voting and the episode itself where we had mescal spillman which i'm sure will you know in the mescal spillman nominated snl hall of fame episode we'll talk a lot, <laughs> lot more about but um but yes in his fifth hosting stint they used it as an opportunity to bring out the five finalists for the Anyone Can Host competition. And Buck was there to introduce them to the audience, get them to say, you know, a one line or whatever it was. And that was so much fun to me. It was one of my favorite things that I've ever seen on SNL.
4: Yeah, and I I actually wouldn't be opposed to them doing something like that again um i know on a a recent episode of uh on on the snl network you guys had talked about that a little bit of like what if we just had like open auditions for um for the general public whatever so this was kind of something similar that i actually think would be a fun idea uh to this day
5: for sure i i would love it i i would advocate for it i i i I have told people who work at NBC that they should do this again, but you know, (laughs) they're not going to listen
4: to all my (laughs) suggestions. And as this relates to Buck Henry, I think uh, this is another example of just how much trust the show had in Buck at this point. Um, There's not a, not a lot of hosts around that time who I think would have been trusted to kind of steer the ship um, like that like you know they're hosting a show that's not all about them they're kind of like doing some sketches of course he did like stunt baby he did samurai uh, a samurai sketch in that episode but really that show was about a lot of it the through line was guiding these anyone can host contestants through the process and and I don't know that I can't imagine anybody else really, other than Buck being trusted to be like the MC, as you put it, to do something like that.
5: The only other person who I think could do this, well, there's a couple people. I would say uh, Candy Bergen would be one, maybe, that I would see. And then I think Steve could have done this as well. Um, But really, to me, Buck was the ultimate first choice as somebody who was going to guide them through it. And, um, you know, Buck always hosted earlier in the season and then hosted the finale. I feel like it was, you know, strategic the time when they chose Buck to host was going to be the time that they were going to introduce the finalists to the audience.
4: Right. And we're making a Hall of Fame case and think about the names that you just put put him in with like steve martin who who is an snl hall of famer he was inducted in in season one uh, a lot of people thought he was a cast member i certainly did for when i was younger i thought he was a cast member and then candy bergen who's who's a five-timer who was a trusted host so you're putting buck henry in the class with them that i kind of already tells you how esteemed uh of an snl figure he is so, Buck Henry's last episode, um he hosted on May 24th, 1980, and that was a huge episode just in SNL history that was almost the like pretty much the official end of number 1 the original cast, um the original not ready for primetime players and number 2 the first Lorne Michaels stint. So, it was appropriate that Buck hosted, I think that that last episode um basically of that era and he never hosted again. Do you think that's a coincidence or not? What do you make of Buck never host, never hosting after that last episode?
5: So, Buck Henry... So, first of all, yeah, let, let, just, let's just say, you know, the end of the era ends with Buck Henry there. I think that is a very important point, that he's there to really wrap up. You know, it's the last time we're going to see Jane Curtin, Gilda Radner uh, on Saturday Night Live. Uh, you know, we're not going to see uh, Garrett Morris again until, like, 2002, where he, like, pops up in a Britney Murphy episode. Um, you know, like, a lot of these people who were at the show over the first five years, like, you're never going to see them on SNL again, and he's there to kind of put the stamp on that last five years and i think it's a perfect way to wrap up uh, because i always said the first five years of snl could be their own show like it's really like as compact of an era as you're going to find there's no transition point over from you know the beginning naturally because it just that's when the show started Then in the end there's no season six cast members that are you know coming into season five it is as closed off as of an era as you possibly can have. So it, it could have, the show could have ended there and it would have been a great show. And it would have been just a five year show that happened in the 70s. So there's that. And I think Buck was the perfect way to end that era of the show. But I will say a couple things. Number one, 1981, season six of the show, there was a lot of turmoil and changes and cast changes that end up happening. Dick Ebersole ends up taking over the show. Um, you know, Al Franken, you know, is, you know, is getting started to talk about, you know, what's his relationship with the show, how it was going to happen after Gene Dumanian's cast sort of like doesn't really pan out. And then we get, you know, these weird couple episodes towards the end of the season. And then there's a writer strike in 1981. And there was these planned episodes that were going to be happening that were very original cast esque tom davis and al franken were going to host an episode together buck henry was going to host a show in season six so that would have been his 11th hosting appearance but that was canceled due to a writer's strike wow okay
4: i guess i had just assumed that maybe he felt some sort of overt loyalty to lorne michaels and i'm not to say that he didn't but i didn't i guess i didn't realize that he was going to actually he was kind of slated to come back that that's pretty interesting
5: yeah, he definitely did um did feel a loyalty to Lorne and I think that, you know, he would have just come in because there was a lot of like the people who were there for the first five years who were starting to like come back a little bit that following year. They didn't know what the show was going to look like. And I think ultimately the writer strike gave them the opportunity to pivot and then, you know, hire different people for season 7. But he would have been there. That would have been fascinating to see what that episode would have been to have like an Eddie Murphy and Buck Henry sketch or Joe Piscopo and Buck Henry sketch. That would have been interesting to see how that would have worked out. And then Buck Henry would end up being a cast member of the new show, which was a show that Lauren Michaels did in 1984, right before he came back to Saturday Night Live where he was there. And this was a show that, they had many people from Saturday night live come on different hosts. Uh, it was very similar. Um, Steve Barton was a host of that show a few times. Uh, John Candy, yeah, Gilda Radner was a host of that show. Like there were so many SNL connections that would happen that, uh, that was like very closely related to, SNL in a way so if you ever want to go back and watch some older Buck Henry stuff there's that and then of course there's the 15th anniversary of the show which is really the last time you see Buck Henry in anything Saturday Night Live related and that's the time where we get this very funny moment with Buck Henry and Steve Martin where they're talking about who's hosted the most times and who's the leader of the clubhouse at that point because in May of 1989 Steve Martin actually broke Buck Henry's record for hosting which he would hold all the way until Alec Baldwin would break it again down the road, but the original Alec Baldwin Steve Martin uh, fight for hosting was Buck Henry versus Steve Martin, and it's a really funny moment from the 15th anniversary, non-canonical but still really fun.
4: Yeah, and I, I urge every listener to go back and check out those, like the 15th anniversary, of course, the 40th, and and of all the 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 cel- those types of celebrations uh, that SNL has had, and. Yeah, yeah, great to see people like Buck Henry coming back. And and he was in kind of an SNL related thing um in 30 Rock. That was yes. one of his like one of the kind of the few things that he did, I guess post 1985 or something. He played uh, Liz Lemon's father, Dick Lemon, in I think it maybe a couple of episodes of 30 Rock, but I like to think that that was Tina Fey's way of paying homage to maybe like old SNL legend essentially.
5: 100%. she's mentioned that she was a huge fan of Buck Henry on Saturday Night Live, so she wanted to include him in 30 Rock. And for me, like, that was always, like, one of my biggest questions that I always had when I was going through my rewatch was... It seems that Buck Henry continued to have great relationships with people who are closely connected to the show. How come Buck never hosted again? I don't know. I think if I was ever to sit down with Lorne Michaels, I would probably be one of the questions I'd love to ask him is how come Buck Henry never came back to host the show again? At the SNL Network, we did an interview with Keith Raywood, who's one of the production designers of Saturday Night Live. And we talked about the Five Timers Club, in which Buck Henry is the first member ever of the Five Timers Club, even though it wasn't really like a thing back then. He technically is. And he's also um, the only member of the Five Timers Club, as of this recording, who's not with us anymore. And I said to him, you know, this past season, when John Mulaney had his Five Timers Club sketch, how come there was no Buck Henry memorabilia somewhere, a picture of him? And he was like, that is a great idea. And I don't know why I didn't think of it. So if you do see a Buck Henry uh, picture on the next Five Timers Club set, uh, I'll take a little bit of credit for that.
4: (laughs) No, we'll give you like pretty much full credit for that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, definitely. Yeah. That's something that I would love to see. Uh, is there, are there any other sketches or moments that, that you didn't think we didn't cover that deserve acknowledgement?
5: Uh, I will just say, like, if you think of all the major sketches in the first five years, um, Coneheads, the nerds, like all of the, uh, Lord and Lady Douchebag, I think these are like fun sketches that a yes. lot of people talk about.
1: <laughs> Lord and Lady Douchebag. <laughs>
5: I'm so frightfully glad you two could come. I was just asking Lady South of where the devil are those douchebags. <laughs> you know, Buck Henry was like pretty much as a part of the first five years. As you can imagine, it was just you know like for me, we're talking hall of fame cases, absolute 100% first ballot hall of famer for me for the first five years of the show. You know, when we're talking about other hosts, there have been amazing hosts of the show who have come along afterwards, um, you know, in different eras, Alec, John Goodman, Tom Hanks, but you know, Timberlake, uh, there's so, so many great ones, but for me, like it's still, he still holds up. Like, I don't know if you're ready for me to make my like final case. You, you let me know. Yeah.
4: We were, we were kind of leading into that. You can make your final case now. Yeah, definitely.
5: Alright, I mean for me, like like let's talk statistics for a second, which mm-hmm. I love to do. For me, he is the fifth most appeared host in the history of the show in terms of sketch appearances he was actually only passed by Tom Hanks this year this past season season 47 so he was the fourth up until this point Um, so he's uh, top five Alec Baldwin Steve Martin John Goodman Tom Hanks and Buck Henry and we're talking about a guy who did not appear on the show technically after 1980 so you can only imagine had he appeared on the show after what he would have done Um, but just looking at his career like I said Swiss Army Knife involved in every single possible sketch you can imagine I don't think that the first five years of the show are as successful. successful without Buck Henry and I think that if the first five years of the show are not that successful alternate universe I have to wonder you know what would have happened to the show long term so I think Buck Henry to me is like the Johnny Unitas of like for the NFL you know you're talking about you know uh, or like even like in a way like a Babe Ruth the baseball like you know people who are like legends of past eras that you have to wonder like how they would play in these eras but to me like he has the stats he has the material I think Buck Henry, for me, is a shoe in for the Hall of Fame as far as the host category is concerned. Uh, I think he should be given an honorary pass into the Hall of Fame because he's just that good. And I, I would be very interested to find an argument about why you couldn't put him in there besides name recognition.
4: All right. Thank you so much, John.
2: That was our very own Thomas Senna in conversation with John Schneider from SNN. If you are not tuning in to SNN on YouTube for their hot take show or their Monday roundtables, well, I don't know what to say. Uh, get cracking and in, 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 in get over there. If you're a fan of SNL, you got to check this place out. And I'm, I'm sure you already have. Let's now kick it to the, um, well, it's not going to be a sketch today. Ah, uh, normally right now we do the sketch where we cement it in, but today we are going with an interesting bit of SNL history. This is the last show of the original Lorne era, and they knew the show was going to essentially start over. And it's interesting that this is the subject of the monologue. So this is Buck Henry's monologue, and um, it shows uh, shows off his dry sense of humor and uh, you know the the chops that it takes to write a great monologue. So let's go to that right now.
6: It is wonderful to be back again. You know, this is the 106th Saturday Night Live program. And it is the 103rd time that I've hosted. You know, I've always hosted the last show of the year, and this is the last show of the year. Some people, in fact, think it might be the last Saturday Night Show ever. But don't worry because I'm here to announce that Saturday Night Live will be back again next year. (laughs) Not with the same people, of course, but with an entirely new cast of young, fresh, talented people to replace the ones who were let go. And I'm sure, I'm sure that these new kids are gonna grow on you because they're the cream of the crop of, of hundreds who auditioned for the, the former producer. And I, I really look forward to working with them and the new producer in the years ahead. So let's meet these bright and funny newcomers. First, from Midland, Texas, Lucy Lawler. they're going to be calling you the sweetheart of Saturday Night Live pretty soon, Lucy.
0: Well, to tell you the truth, I'm a little nervous. That's
6: all all right, it's understandable. Gilda Radner was just as nervous when she first stepped out here five years ago. I helped her, and I'll help you too, if you know what I mean.
1: Well, thank you, Mr. Henry.
6: You call me Buck from now on. Okay, Buck. Now, here's a guy who, besides being a fine comedian, plays many, many musical instruments. Welcome, Gary Lipton. Harry, just how many musical instruments do you actually play?
1: Oh, uh, well, uh, I can get a sound out of
6: of about 20 instruments. That's fantastic. (laughs) Okay, next, a really funny lady, originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's Norma Jenkins. Have you... have you done much television before, Norma? Uh, just a local show in Cincinnati, but it was on the same station that Mike Douglas started on. Okay, well, that's good enough for us. I say bye-bye, Garrett Morris. Hello, Norma. All right. Now, it's time to meet a former member of a fabulous comedy team, and his name is Lee Mamon. Lee, I understand you used to be a former member of a comedy team. That's right, Buck. It was called Holman and Mayman. You might remember William Tellbit. Lee Mayman, everybody. (laughs) Okay. Now let's meet a guy who bills himself as as the Walking Loony Bin. That's what it says, anyway. Let's meet Carl (laughs) Quackenbush. Well, Carl, are you going to be the next Bill Murray? I certainly hope not. (laughs) I certainly hope not. (laughs) If that's the kind of comedy we can expect from this guy, I think we're in for some big belly laughs this fall. Okay, Okay, folks, let's meet Robin Shermer... Shermer... Robin... Robin Shermerhorn. Robin. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, it's Shermerhorn. Well, thank you, Robin. (laughs) Okay. And last... Last, folks, but not least, here's Ron Waldo. Yay! Now, Ron, they say you do a great imitation of Don Pardo. That's right, Buck.
1: It's Saturday Night Live! That's, that's okay. There you have it,
6: ladies and gentlemen. How about a big hand for these stars of the future? All of them, all of these kids are going to be spending the summer at NBC's comedy camp in upstate New York. (laughs) Studying assiduously under the supervision of NBC's dean of comedy workshops, Mr. John Barber. So, these kids will be back in the fall, but... We'll be right back.
2: All right. That was terrific. I'm real glad we got a chance to hear that. And I, I got to say, Buck Henry, I I think this guy is uh, bound for the SNL Hall of Fame. Don't you think? I, I can't say for sure uh, that, you know, it was a long time ago. So I'm not sure that he'll make it on the first ballot because it seems like the voting skews in a certain uh, demographic or a certain age cohort. And it's not the cohort that uh, Buck Henry belongs to, but there's no doubt in my mind that ultimately he has his plaque in the SNL hall of fame. And I'm excited for that. I think that's real cool. So uh, again, I want to thank John Schneider. I want to thank Matt Ardill and I want to thank Thomas Senna We always have a terrific time here on the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. That's what I've got for you this week. But do me one favor on your way out as you pass the weekend update exhibit. Turn out the lights because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed.
1: Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Danant saying, this is Doug Danant saying, see you next week.
2: Podcasts and such.